What's up everybody? This is Mike here from The Flywheel. On The Flywheel, we talk to experts about personal development, growth, business, and careers. Today on the show, we're going to be talking to Erica. Erica, if you want to give yourself an introduction. My name is Erica Pearson. I am currently the head of sales and customer success at Lobby. Give us a little bit of background on, you know, where you started in your career, um, the places you've sort of worked and where you are now. So I started my career in capital markets. I grew up a competitive athlete, so the trading floor had that competitive energy that I was used to and thrived in. I wanted to make good money and be home in time for dinner. Um, I learned very quickly that not everyone in capital markets makes it home in time for dinner. Um, And the specific jobs that I was doing weren't sitting well with me, just in that I wasn't necessarily inspired. Like I'm all about creating a life without regrets and using my time on this earth as effectively as I can for myself and for others. And I wasn't really getting that. I wasn't excited about how I was spending my time. Was that sort of the inspiration for when, you know, you started thinking about other things and and what sort of led you to start thinking about the vacation fund? So it was interesting. I was doing a rotational program in capital markets and, and I kept looking for someone that I aspired to be. So someone who's life I thought I was envious of and and I really was inspired to work towards, but I, I couldn't really find that. So I actually started searching the internet for people whose journeys and experiences sounded more interesting than my own. Um, and that's when I started realizing that young people were starting companies, even if they didn't necessarily have the experience or the expertise to do it. They were just doing it. They just started. And that was really inspirational to me. How old were you roughly when you started thinking about sort of this discovery and and looking at what I guess eventually became the vacation fund, which I'm sure we'll dive into in a second? I was a couple years out of school. So I think I was 22, 23 when I started really thinking about it um, and then finally ended up sort of doing the, the leap of faith and quitting the job at 24. How long was this seed sort of burning in your head about, you know, looking at what others were doing and and determining whether there'd be a different path that made more sense for you. How many um, not making it home for dinners did it take, uh, not necessarily with the family, but just sort of later nights for you to realize, you know, this is just not going to work out. and, And there's something else for me out there. I think from the first time I really started digging into like the articles that I was finding on Notable and the how to start a startup concepts and videos and everything from the first time that I really started getting inspired by that to when I actually quit was probably a year and a half. Um, So I remember two of the lessons that I learned very early on just doing some deep dives and learning was um, don't start a startup unless you're so passionate about solving the problem that you can't not do it because it's going to be really hard. And the other one was um, most, at least tech startups today, get within one developer's salary of failing. So if you don't have someone technical in the trenches with you, it's much harder to succeed. Um, So I started during that year and a half of discovery, I was doing courses part-time, intro to web development and UX design, because I had no knowledge of what this, this world involved leading up to that. So those were probably... Those, those were great. Those helped me a lot with my initial sort of concept or what I thought was a concept. So did your journey start more with learning technical skills because you knew you'd want to build something or did it actually start with the idea that sort of burned in the back of your mind that you, you knew what you wanted to do, which, which sort of started first? 
it started with the idea. So I took a step back and I said, okay, what am I uniquely positioned to bring into this world? What am I so inspired to do? Um, and I, so I, I grew up traveling and my dad was very frugal, but he was what I like to call a millennial before millennials. So he was all about experiences over stuff. We traveled three times a year, often staying in hostels or doing house swaps to make it economical. Um, and then by the time I turned 22, I'd been to over 40 countries. Wow. And I'm sure at one point in my life, I took it for granted and thought that was normal. But then, you know, I grew up and realized what an insane and unique upbringing I had. And I didn't believe that traveling should only be for the wealthiest 10%. So I wanted to help as many people in as many income brackets as possible enjoy their lives more by financially prioritizing experiences. And that was sort of, I said, okay, what experiences do people want to have in their lives and how can I help them put financial resources towards those experiences to make it possible? So it definitely started with the idea. And then I said, okay, I'm only going to be able to pull this off if I've got technology behind it. Did you know at that time that you wanted to use technology to help people travel? Like how far down the path of the idea were you at that time? before you started investing more time and deciding you needed to get a little bit more technical to do some of this work yourself? I started thinking about, okay, how do you help people allocate money? And how do you help people brainstorm or visualize the kind of, I'm, I'm all about vision boards. I love vision boards. I think if you can't picture what you're trying to accomplish, then you're not going to accomplish it. Um, and so that vision board concept, I thought, okay, how do people make a vision board for travel and experiences. And there were some platforms out there, the Bucket Dream, Bucket Listy, I think they're still running, um, but it's kind of like a Pinterest concept. It was kind of like, a, okay, visualize things. And that was being done with technology. And then I was picturing almost like a, a travel Pinterest board where you could see how much money was already put towards those things. Um, so you could see how soon you would be able to achieve them. And so it was, a combination in my head of Pinterest and financial tools and um, all of these things just sort of coming together. And I didn't know what that should look like, but I knew that pieces of it existed out there and I wanted to bring them together. I want to circle back for a second, 40 different countries. Um, tell us about your favorite trip. Oh man, there there have been so many, and that's obviously a very privileged thing to be able to say. There have been so many incredible trips. Um, I am Portuguese, so anywhere in the Mediterranean feels sort of like home. Um, I have been to Greece three times. I've been with friends, I've been with my family, and I've been with my now fiancé. And every time it's just got something for everyone. Like the food's amazing. The people are amazing. It's very chill. It's absolutely stunning. Any any like travel hack that you think people should know about? I am a big fan of booking.com because it's visual and it's not entirely overwhelming. And I like the way all the searches come up. And the biggest thing that I've found, which has been incredibly necessary within the last 12 months, is that you can book things without paying for it up front. And the free cancellation is just so key. So I've now had to reschedule my honeymoon a couple times, but always knowing, okay, we have the dates reserved. Even if the prices go up, we've got it locked in. But then if things come up and we have to cancel or postpone, it's, it's, very flexible. So for a planner, um, I love what booking.com can do. Tell us a little bit about vacation fund. What is it? 
Um, what did it start out as? What did it become? Talk us through that a little bit. I'll kind of break it down into the years. So 2017, I call it was the year of figuring out all the ways that it did not work. So I originally thought Vacation Fund was a B to C play. I thought it was an automated automated savings tool for people's travel goals, um, kind of like Acorns or Milo, which is now Mocha, but just focused on travel and experiences that could enhance people's lives. So that's what I thought. And when I was going through my UX design course, that was sort of the prototype that I built out. Um, in 2017, I did Founder Institute, which is kind of like a pre-accelerator and you can pitch your concept every week to tech leaders and they'll judge your pitch every week for three months. Um, so I did that. It helped me build a network so much faster um, and I got to refine the pitch and people there said, ooh, a B2C fintech play in Canada. If you don't have some serious financial backing, it's not going to work. Like Canada as a population was just too small and it's so different. So you couldn't just take what you did here and move it to the U.S. market. So that was good learning for me. So all the ways that it didn't work. 2018, um, we basically had some people say, hey, I'm having trouble getting my employees to use their vacation time. Can I give them a financial incentive to actually use their vacation days? And so I said, okay, well, that's interesting. I wonder if anyone in the world does this. Does any company in the world give people a financial incentive, an extra financial incentive to use their time off? So I found 12 companies across the United States that were doing what they were calling paid, paid vacations. So paid time off where the company was also cutting them a check to use that time off and do something awesome with it. And these companies were writing articles about how um, it was the best perk they could ever offer to people. It keeps people there longer. People are so appreciative. People's lives are better. And I thought, okay, they've proved the concept, but not every company can afford, you know, $5,000 a year, use it or lose it for employees to go on vacation. And so I said, let's set this up as a matching program. So Vacation Fund became employer matched vacation saving so that a company could say, we're going to help you save towards your vacation. We're going to match your contributions similar to an RSP or a 401k. And then you're going to be able to use your time off so effectively and we will have helped make that happen for you. So companies were matching anywhere between $10 and $50 a paycheck and people were taking some incredible trips. Um, so 2018 was sort of our first onboarding, our first customers, building the very first version of the product. Um, and then after early validation, we got an opportunity to go through the Techstars Accelerator in Chicago um, and raise some money from there. 2019 was entirely growth focused. So we needed more of everything at that point. We got fantastic awareness, did some great interviews with CBC, got to double digit clients and grew our monthly recurring revenue significantly because it was working. People are were opting in. Um, and then 2020 started with great momentum. We were talking to some of the world's leading companies about how they can support their employees by tying a financial incentive to their time off. We had more investor money committed. Um, and then March 2020 happened and everything shut down. When you talk through this story, it sounds like you were doing this all day, every day. You were sort of building this out. Um, had you just made the decision to, to leave where you were and start right away or had some of that pre-work? Obviously, some of the learning and skilling was happening um, in your evenings and weekends and whatnot. But when you decided Vacation Fund, uh, whether that was the first name or not, um, was what you were going to do? Was it sort of like 
rip off the Band-Aid and go? Or what did that transition look like for you? My dad was the one that often trained me to go into situations with a plan. Um, And so a year and a half of homework and investigating and learning and building the first clickable prototype and trying to network and meet technical people that could help me build it. After a year and a half, the job that I was doing for my last eight months um, with the bank was very, very, very time consuming. It was like often 14, 16 hour days. Like I, I couldn't believe that I just didn't have time for my family or my friends or anything else. Um, and so I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to, I, I'm going to have to just go because there wasn't a world in which I could keep doing my full-time job that I had and jump in and start actually making progress with my tech startup. Um, so that was, I think, the push over the edge. I looked at other jobs and in other industries that I believed would be less time consuming. Um, but because capital markets and finance was all I knew, I thought learning a brand new industry and a brand new job while I'm trying to start something in a space that I also didn't know, like it would all just have been too much. So where for where I was at and I had the ability to like I had some money in the bank so I could afford a, a year, which turned into two years of not paying myself. Um, so I had to just take a look at myself and my situation and say, how much time and money am I willing to invest in this to get me to what I believe needs to be my first milestone where I've proven that it's it's going somewhere. 2020 hit. That's sort of where the kind of your story sort of ended. Things changed in the market. And so where where are things today with Vacation Fund? I'll do a little bit of a rewind. So March 2020 comes, our investors say, look, you're a B2B software as a service, HR technology play. Your sales cycles were long going into this. You're not going to make any sales in this environment, right? And for us, we were viewed as a really, really, really awesome, nice to have rather than an absolutely urgent need to have for companies. So if we weren't anyone's need to have at that time, no one was going to take all my sales calls got wiped out of my calendar because people were just scrambling to figure out what was going on in the world. So I, I think my art, I actually think our investors made a great call saying we can't put any more money into this. Um, so we said, okay, we have a month of runway left. I told my team as soon as I knew that more money was not coming in. I said, we have a month of runway left. I'm going to try to get this thing acquired or acquired so we could all stay together because we had such an amazing team. I wanted to do everything I could to keep it together. Um, but I wanted them to also, we were we were entering into what we didn't realize was a very long global pandemic. So I didn't want anyone to feel um, that they weren't going to be able to make money the next month. So I said, look for things, use my network any way that I can help, I will. Um, and then I had probably approaching 30 acquisition conversations with payroll companies and perks and benefits companies and HRIS software and um, anyone that we thought was doing anything remotely similar to what we were doing at Vacation Fund or they had a similar mission and this could be a fun add-on. Um, we had a lot of those conversations and unfortunately they all ended the same way saying this is not our priority right now. We don't even know how many of our employees we can keep. We just did layoffs like we can't. It would look financially irresponsible if we bought you 
um, acquired you when we just did layoffs. Like that's completely unfair and that's optically a big challenge. Um, so at one point I just said to one of the companies, I said, okay, based on what I've learned from this space, um, I think I could be valuable to you as an employee. And so I ended up working for one of the companies for five months and it was awesome. And our team all landed on their feet very quickly. Um, and then now I've jumped into the trenches of my next startup, not as a co-founder, um, but as sort of a part of the founding team. So tell us a little bit about where you are now. And then I'd love to dive into a couple of things along that journey. But but maybe tell us a little bit about where you are now. Absolutely. So uh, I think I had to do some reflection as soon as I was realizing we were shutting Vacation Fund down and I was going to go work for someone else. I said, what 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 do I do? <laughs> what is, what am I actually good at? Because, you know, you, as a, like a CEO, CEO, we were only a five person company. It doesn't really count, but you really are chief everything officer, right? You're doing absolutely everything. And so I had to take a step back and say, okay, what is my superpower? Like, what do I love to do? And I loved the relationships side of business. Um, I love customer relationships. I love strategic partnerships. I actually love if I'm passionate about what I am doing, then I could sell it all day. I could talk about it all day. I absolutely love it. Um, so that's what I realized, but I was so exhausted after my acquisition conversations that I told the company that I joined, I said, honestly, I don't even want to do sales. I, I like just put me on your customer success team. Like I, I do relationships. I can do relationships all day. Happy to do that. Um, and then some guys found me and uh, said, hey, we're building this thing. So it was actually one of their investors that introduced them to me. And they, they said, we're, we're doing this thing and we'd love to talk to you about coming on board to run our sales and customer success teams. And so for me, I'd had a good opportunity to sort of relax a little bit. I'd had five months to say, okay, I'm an employee again. I was doing sort of, you know, um, my job and then trying to do a little bit extra. Um, and I was in a good place. But when the idea of joining a founding team of an earlier stage company came my way, and the founders are extremely experienced and have the kinds of resumes that I did not have, um, I said, okay, maybe maybe this is worth looking at because I, I was intrigued about being a really good leader to other people. Like I actually found the people in culture space fascinating. So figuring out how to motivate people to do their best work and how to keep people invested in the mission of a company. Um, so I've joined the founding team of another tech company. It is pre-launch, so I won't spend too much time talking about what we're doing, but I can say it's a very technically heavy play. Um, so starting with people that are far more experienced um, than I was as I was starting Vacation Fund is absolutely necessary in this case. Like this is not something that um, could be approached the same way that I approached Vacation Fund. And so maybe that's a good place to circle back, which is when you think about Vacation Fund, obviously you've had tons of learning there, um, both in how you started it, the technical skills you built, some of the resilience, some of the, you know, shopping around for an acquisition or an aqua hire. What would you say were some of your biggest learnings? I think I didn't fully believe 
just how much of a roller coaster the founder journey really is, right? Like there were times that I felt on top of the world and things were working and this was a great idea and people loved it and we were a top trending topic on LinkedIn and everything was going in our direction and the world what in the future was not going to exist without vacation fund in it. There were absolutely times like that. And then there were times that everything felt impossible and everything was going against us. And I just would lie there in bed with my eyes open thinking, how do we get out of this? Like, how do we keep going? Like, what, like, is the world not designed for this to be in it? So the roller coaster was insane. And I, I would like to think, and I think actually the only thing in the world that prepared me for the founder journey somewhat was growing up being a competitive athlete because you have to be there for your team. You have to put in the work. You like 5.30 a.m. practice, you have to be there for yourself and for the people on your team. There's no opting out um, and it always takes work and you could do everything right and you could still lose. And so the ability to lose and then get up the next day and do it again is is very essential. Like, I, I, I think the word resilience gets used a lot, but I know why, because it like, that's, that's something that you can't start a company without knowing that that is going to be pushed to the limits. So your resilience was like the number one takeaway. Now, tough journey, roller coasters up and down. What would you have done differently if you could do it all again, I'm sure there's a lot that you probably would value from the way you experienced it. But if you could rewrite that story, what would you do differently the next time through? I think like my sort of ethos of creating a life without regrets means that I, I don't let myself regret anything. Um, and I learned something obviously every step of the way. Um, but if someone put me back at the beginning today with all of that learning, um, I would prioritize payroll and HRIS integrations up front. Like I would have invested more in the technology up front, um, right? Like we were responsible for moving and holding a portion of people's paychecks. If I look back on our processes, especially in the earliest days, I am absolutely horrified. And so thinking through, okay, what does this look like? Learning more about the companies that already do it really, really well. Like I did a little bit of that, but not enough. Um, and so I think I underestimated the importance of getting the technology component right when people's money is involved. Now, you said that, you know, you're at another uh, startup right now on part of the founding team, but you're not the founder. What was sort of your thinking in, in part of that decision? Was it intentional? Were there some learnings from being the founder that you would share with others that have, you know, shaped your decision today? Or is that just sort of coincidence? I think when I was looking at the role that I wanted to play, um, I thought, okay, I'm enjoying doing relationships for this other company that I did between Vacation Fund and where I am now. I enjoy the relationships piece. I like to build things and I like to push things forward. What I didn't enjoy doing is I did not enjoy raising money. I didn't enjoy raising money. Um, and I could say, yeah, fine. Like, oh, it's easier for men still. And statistically, that's still true. It is. Um, but I know a lot of men that it's still one hell of a process for them. I was talking to a friend about a month ago who said that before 
the pandemic started, he had over 400 investor meetings in the Valley and came out without a term sheet. Like that's normal. And he kept going like that's like, no matter who you are, that's insane. Like that's resilience. Um, so, and I've talked to a few founder friends who have said, I know, I know why CEOs get paid millions of dollars now, because there's no such thing as peace of mind. There's no such thing as peace of mind. You can still feel like things are working sometimes, but there is always something to worry about when you are the CEO, when you are the one absolutely leading everything. Um, and so I think I'm gaining a greater appreciation for that. Um, and I'm loving the role that I'm playing right now. And I think it was really interesting that this opportunity found me Um I wasn't looking for anything. I was happy where I was. I was feeling more relaxed than I had in years with this other company. Um, but when this opportunity found me and it was through my network that it found me and they said, this is what we like that you've done. And we believe you can do that with this company. The opportunity to be able to still push myself out of my comfort zone um, and play roles on both sales and customer success is is it's I now that I look back, it's it's better than I could have dreamed of. Well, congratulations! It, it sounds like you found you know an amazing spot and you've landed well on your feet. And it sounds like you looked after your team along the way. Um, for anybody else that's sort of, you know, I think it's very common for people to think about these things where they've got a burning problem that they want to go solve, or they just envision a future where they work for themselves. Um, the whole process of sort of getting a startup going is is different for everybody. But what would be your advice to anybody trying to figure out where to get started, how to get started? I think the two key factors to think about are time and money. So how much time do you have to work without an income? Because that's where a lot of people start. And how much money do you think you need to get your idea to a place where someone is paying for it? Um, so as I said, I had savings in the bank. I was willing to give myself up to a year, which turned into two with zero income to figure out what vacation fund was going to become. Um, and then on the money piece, I think you need to think about either revenue or investors a lot of the time to help build that momentum. So I believe that when possible revenue, the revenue route is ideal. If you can start to generate revenue by building a scrappy first version of your product or your service that people actually start to pay for, you're ahead of the game. You've proven that someone wants to pay you for this thing to be in the world. Um, and then there are like, there are amazing examples of software companies that started as side hustles and then they bootstrapped, and then they raised money five years in. Um, so no journey is exactly the same, and it depends on how time and capital intensive it is to get to that first milestone. But that's really that's sort of what I think you have to think about is what milestone are you working towards, and how much time and money do you think it's going to take to get you there? And so for others that are sort of, trying to learn from your experiences you've obviously had a bit of a roller coaster of great learnings great experiences great connections you've had days where you felt at your high days where you felt at your low what are you know some pieces of advice you would share to anybody looking to you know pursue that passion for either a startup whether they're going to leave and join a startup whether they're planning to start a startup themselves um, or just not sure where to begin what what's some advice you would share with them 
the biggest thing to realize and you don't realize until you're doing it is that it's a huge mindset and lifestyle switch. Um, and so if anyone wanted me to convince them not to do it, I absolutely could. But if you can't stop thinking about being the one to bring something into the world, you're going to need to do it or else one day you'll wonder sort of what if. Um, and so I, like, I wouldn't trade this experience for anything in the world. Um, I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm no longer prepared to work for free, at least not right now. Um, making money is a priority for me now. I'm at a point where I don't miss fundraising. I'm happy to have someone else looking after that part of the equation. Um, but that's really, that's, I think, the way I think about it is either you feel the need to be the one to bring something into the world or you're okay helping support someone else's journey. And, and there's no wrong answer. Like there's no, I, I guarantee you the average CEO is not happier than the average person. Um, but people have to decide how can they use their time on earth as effectively as possible in a way that when they look back on it, they'll say, I'm glad I did that. There's sort of that big question that I'm sure a lot of people think about, uh, whether they talk about it or not, which is, you know, when do I quit or leave my job to start a startup? And there's so many opinions on when the right time is. Some people just just do it right away, cut cold turkey. And, and I think you've shared a lot of great advice for some, some foundational elements to consider. Um, but what would you say, based on your opinion, would be sort of that right time to make the switch um, as you balance out some of these decisions? I think it's important to think through, are you in your day-to-day full-time job or whatever you're doing, are you learning things that are going to help you build the thing that you want to bring into the world? Is, is the learning that you're doing helping contribute to what you're going to be able to do ultimately? Um, And so if it's not like the way it was in my case, what I was doing in finance was not going to support helping me move vacation fund along faster. Um, And I didn't really have time to spare doing that job and doing the learning on the side. So that's when I had to decide, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to jump in now and I can't keep doing this job at the same time. Um, I think it's also really important to acknowledge that People are at different points in their lives, right? When people have kids going through school and they have a partner that either is or isn't working, um, like these are all things to consider. So how much do you need just to survive, just to get by at the stage that you're at in your life? And then how long are you willing to put that time and money into something that may not reward you financially for X amount of time. Time, timing, and money. Very useful pieces of consideration. Um, thanks thanks again for joining us today, Erica. If you're good with it, we'll link um, a link to Lobby, which is where you are now, in the description below so people can check that out. It's super cool. Erica and I have met on Lobby a couple times and, and I've quite enjoyed my experience. So maybe you can go check it out and give Erica a message. So we'll put that in the description below. Uh, Again, if you're tuning in, the flywheel where we talk to experts about careers, personal development, and business. Thanks again for joining us today, Erica. If you are tuning in, make sure to subscribe if you like this content. If you want to hear something from a different guest, make sure to leave it in the comments section below and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.